This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're going into our last segment, taking us into our last half hour of this Thursday morning. Uh, I am your host, Mark Holcraft. Excited to be with you. We're talking Catholic social teaching, which has just been a fascinating topic this morning. We've been blessed with great guests, and we are blessed with another great guest in Father Jeff Epler. Also, he's a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, pastor of St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church in Grafton and Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Oakwood, North, North Dakota. I almost just said North Carolina. I don't know what I'm thinking, Father. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm wonderful, thank you. Awesome. Well, it's great having you. Thanks for joining us. You know, I I shared your your parishes, but can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I'm I'm an import to North Dakota. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, for 20 years I belonged to Society of Our Lady Most Holy Trinity, that okay. order. Yeah, and that, that's what brought me to North Dakota in the first place. I served uh, uh, in Belcourt, the reservation there for uh, 11 years, and then I joined the Diocese of Fargo. So that's why I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, excellent, excellent. I, you know, um, if any of our listeners recognize Society of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity, the Salt, and I would refer to Salt Sisters, Salt Priests, um, mm-hmm. you know, Sister Miriam James is certainly one who's uh, a name that's, she's just been a tremendous speaker, and I think she's been a great witness of a religious. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've not, I've, I've met her, I don't really know her, though, I can't even, you know, maybe barely an acquaintance, but, you know, uh, sometimes it's nice to make a connection. So, now you're a priest for the Diocese of Fargo, for how many years did you say? Um, I guess officially I've been a priest for the Diocese two and a half. Two and a half like years? Yeah, okay. I think so. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for blessing us with your presence, uh, not just for the Diocese of Fargo, but with us this morning. You know, when I first started with you here, I just indicated, and you know, we're talking Catholic social teaching. Um, but this morning, you know, we've hit on generalizations, covering all seven principles, uh, highlighting uh, a few. And so, in our first segment, we highlighted the dignity of work and the rights of workers. Uh, and then, just in the previous segment, we highlighted uh, the, the right to life and just the, the gift of life, life and dignity of the human person. Uh, but now we want to talk solidarity and. While we've heard nuts, you know, just bits and pieces, nuts and bolts of it, please uh, articulate more. What do we mean by solidarity? Okay. Well, in a general sense, it connects to all the other social justice issues that you're addressing. Um, it's basically recognizing that that every human being is made the ambition likeness of God, has equal dignity, and therefore is worthy of being served in their need. And so that the Church then... Uh, understands that the service to neighbor is rooted in that understanding of the human dignity and the image likes of God. And so we serve the poor. That's where the Church has the preferential uh, option for the poor. And to serve both the physical and spiritual needs of the people of God and all of humanity. That's basically in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. how, how has that impacted you? How has the, the Church's teachings on solidarity impacted you as a priest and just as a man? Well, interestingly enough, uh, most of the assignments I've had as a priest have all been uh, heavy in serving the poor and uh, and the outcasts, really. Because uh, when I was with Society of Our Lady, 
we pretty much went wherever uh, no one else wanted to go. <laughs> okay, and yeah, so yeah. you know, we we didn't get the the fairs that were doing great. No, we we got the place that no one wanted to go to, and which generally you had high poverty, high crime, and 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 lots of problems. And so, um, I'm used to be able to be immersed into, I guess, the difficulty of the human condition, and to bring, well, quite frankly, the light of Christ and the light of hopefulness in Christ to what would otherwise be kind of a hopeless situation many times. Um, it's been it's been a challenge, a joy, and a sorrow. It's all mingled. You've got the cross and resurrection and the whole mystery of serving the poor. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Um, but see, I, I, I know that uh, that sometimes it's a challenge uh, to get a, get out of ourselves. And when we're serving the poor, it has an opportunity to really kind of get out of ourselves and really elevate another person in, in their brokenness. Uh, to bring them to really the light of healing and love and cry. So it's been it's been interesting. It's never been boring. I'll tell you that. Never been boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I believe it. I believe it. Well, and it, I do talk about some of like you know. I'm sure you you've encountered some incredible struggle and strife. You know, especially when you're going into the the places that generally speaking they send you where others don't generally want to go. You know, and that that can mean all kinds of things. How, how would you say say that has shaped your priesthood? Um, well, I would say that it allowed me to recognize Christ in His passion more, and uh, and also helped me to recognize my absolute need for Jesus. You know, sometimes it, it's uh, it's easy for priests to forget that that we really need the Lord in every aspect of our lives. We're so used to serving and being in charge and everything else that, yeah. that we lose sight of the fact that we too are broken and that we need His mercy and, and, and grace. And so I found that over the years, as I'm ministering to people it, who, who are hurt, who are in need, who are, who are just crushed with, with whatever it is, it reminds me of my absolute need also to rely on Christ, to be ministered to also, that I need His mercy and love as much as I'm giving it. Um, so it, it forces me to have to constantly turn to the heart of Jesus. Quite frankly, I've been faced with so many times where, like, I, I don't know, I don't know how to help them, Lord. <laughs> you know, I don't know how. I don't. Yeah. I, mean, I can't do this myself. I don't know how. You know, it's like when you're faced with, say, so and so's uh, baby died, or or someone was murdered, or whatever. You're like, how do you minister this? You know, a, a woman who has who has her daughter killed in auto accident. Yeah, how do you how do you minister into that? It, it becomes that Lord. It's going to have to be you, and and all I can do is just bring your love into this, um, because I can't fix it, and and allow Christ to actually work more accurately in His mercy and His love in those situations. We're not always going to be able to give everybody uh, a meal to eat. Okay, we're not always going to be able to fix a problem. Um, and when you're ministering to the poor, generally their problems are far bigger than what you can actually just outright fix. And so you give them as much of the temporal need that you can at the time, but you give them hope. You give them hope in the fact that you want them to know that they're loved by God, you know, that, that they're not hopeless, that yeah. God has a great plan for them, and that even the suffering is actually part of the plan that they can just draw close to the heart of Jesus, who, who loves them with an infinite love. But I'm reminded of a guy on the reservation that we, we come every day uh, to get food, and he, he was usually... You know, intoxicated, he was struggling, you know, and I knew him for years. But then one day, after years of this, I'm like, you know what? I've never sat down with him and asked him about him. So one day I decided, 
I'm actually going to surprise him. I want, and I'm going to surprise myself. I'm going to sit down with him and find out where he's at. And so when I asked him a question about his life, he looked at me, completely shocked that I, I would even ask something like that, and he sat down. He began to open up about his life. And I came to understand why it is that he's struggling with alcohol and all these other things because of the horrible things he experienced when he was a kid that really shaped him. And it made me have a deep compassion for him, uh, more so than I did before, because I'm like, how I understand why he's moving in brokenness. But it made me have to reflect on my own brokenness, too, that why is it that I do the things I do, too? So Mystery of the Poor really is a, it's an enlightening understanding of we're all broken and in need of redemption. Amen to that. I uh, Thanks for sharing. You know, uh, Father, one of the things that stands out to me, of course, you know, we're talking solidarity, um, but just, I think sometimes we make it too hard. We make it harder than it needs to be, you know, and I, yeah. I, I say that, and I don't mean to say that with any sense of conceit uh, about, you know, you know, look at me or, you know, how maybe how smart that is, but I just really, in the sense of like the, the simplicity, less is more, you know, um, even, I mean, I love how you say in your experiences, there's times just for your utter dependence, uh, need for God is the words you chose. Uh, the word that came to my mind was dependence, just, just to be completely dependent on the Lord. You know, and what I've heard from priests uh, from just at times past is it's in those moments that when you say, Lord, I don't know what to do, that that's when great things start to happen. Because then all of a sudden, that's that, that change happens internally. You know, that internal disposition for you as the priest is, um, again, not only being back, brought back to that place of dependence on God, but then it's Jesus that is going to move. I can only imagine the Father saying, finally, <laughs> finally, yeah, let, me, let yep. me use you, and thanks for getting out of the way. Here we go, you know? Exactly. You know, it's, uh, one of the things that pops in my mind often that the Lord kind of reminds me of is, is the words of St. John the Baptist, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. And yeah. that is a real challenge, I think, for every human being, but particularly when you're ministering to others, when they're looking to you as a source of hope and, for, and, and consolation and even pro- provision. It's like, okay, can't be all about me, it's got to be about you, got to be about you. And it is him that we look for also in our neighbor, and that's why we serve him, because we, because of our love for Christ. We see him in the face of our neighbor, you know. Absolutely. You know, when I think of solidarity, one of the phrases I think we often hear it's said in movies a lot and it's said almost just as a backhanded statement of time, sometimes is, why am I brother's keeper? Which uh, for anybody who knows, well, that's a reference directly from scripture that we are our brother's keeper. You know, so the irony of hearing, why well, am I brother's keeper? A person, when they say that, they know exactly what they're getting at. And yet we're reminded we are indeed our brother's keeper. You know, and, and that takes it takes different looks. You know, it can be revealed from a variety of different perspectives of what that looks like to be our brother's keeper. Um, but again, I kind of go back to that. Sometimes I make it more complicated than it needs to be. Sometimes it's just a matter of uh, approaching a person. I, you know, I think of someone uh, when I lived in Cincinnati. You know, it's it's a bit typical in its urban experience that there is certainly more uh, homeless. Are those uh, jobless, you know, uh, those in a, you know, as transients, so to say, they were, um, there was, there's, they were quite prevalent, you know, and we see a little bit of that in Fargo, and we see that a little bit within our, the, our network area, um, but just 
and I really appreciate what you said, just approaching that person. Sometimes it's not always about giving them money or giving them the food, even though that's what they're asking for. Sometimes it's just dignifying them with a little, with a little uh, conversation, uh, approaching them, talking to them. How are you? What's your name? Asking them their name. Uh, yep. And so just I... treat them with respect. Absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of the poor are looked upon as, uh, you know, we have to deal with them. And, and it's just looking at them, they're a human being. You know, uh, is it always going to be convenient? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Right. It's usually inconvenient, really. And I think that's where the, yeah. where the Lord is. Father, we got to take a break here in just a moment. Um, so I, I'm, when we come back, I'd like to dive a little bit into uh, where do we find solidarity in Scripture and how we can dive into that. So for our listeners, stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. God loves the simple. And when we are obedient, we are simple folk. And I think what happens is the response that we receive when we are obedient and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives is the virtue of joy. Who doesn't want to be a joyful person? I think, you know, I think a lot and I reflect a lot. Who is the most joyful person I know? Those are the people that are usually in tune with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because with joy, there's a simple recipe. Jesus is first, others are second, yourself is last. And that's where humility lies, in obedience. Because many people in the world today want to put yourself first. If I have time by supper, I may look out to the needs of others. And maybe by the time I lay down on my pillow, I will maybe offer one prayer to Jesus. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to be walk with us all day long. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. If you have lost anyone to a sudden or tragic death, you can still help them. Please visit our website, suicideandhope.com, and memorialize those that you love. There is no obligation or cost. You can simply enter their first name, initials, or a nickname, and I will personally pray for them and have a Mass said each month. Please, again, visit suicideandhope.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm your host this morning, Mark Holcraft, and I am talking to Father Jeff Epler of the Diocese of Fargo, who is up in Grafton, North Dakota. Uh, Father Jeff, thank you so much again for being with us this morning. You know, we're talking Catholic social teaching in particular of the seven principles, solidarity. Um, and as been indicated a couple times already this morning, there's so many areas within the Catholic social teaching that one principle uh, overlaps the other. And, and that's just such a, a truism for the faith. 
you know, and, and I, I think really in God's wisdom, that's not on accident, you know, that's, that's kind of the nature in our, in our pursuit of holiness, but also in who God is, um, how one act naturally transitions to another act and to another act, um, and with just really within the moral life, within the moral life. Um, but w- when we left, we talked about speaking about solidarity and giving some scriptural grounding. And Father Jeff, I'm wondering if you could articulate for us in some way some scriptural grounding as we talk about solidarity. Okay. Well, it goes all the way back to the beginning. When we go into Genesis, when God creates uh, man in his image and likeness, male and female, he creates them. And so you find that the human person has its very origin in the principle of divine love. That's who God is, is divine love. And so love, then, is the operating principle for our humanity. So when Cain kills his brother Abel, and you brought that up earlier, when God asks him, hey, where's your brother? He's like, hey, am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer to that is, uh, Cain, yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Lord is bringing out the, that principle of solidarity with our, with our fellow shared humanity. You know, equal in dignity, fully loved by God, means image like this. And so he's calling Cain to that reality of you, you offended that dignity by murdering your brother. And Cain didn't know up to it. <laughs> okay, well, he bared the, the penalty of that, that, uh, that murder of his brother. Um, but you find in the very beginning, God sends this principle of our shared humanity and uh, the shared divine love for our humanity by God, and that love should then flow to one another. Um, you find then that when God gives uh, precepts to be followed to Israel, uh, when he gives commandments, you know, relationship to God first, and then, then lays out the commandments in relationship to one another, uh, he also gives other precepts about dealing with the poor. So, for example, when they're harvesting crops, they can't, they, they're not supposed to go through twice, because anything that remains or falls is for the, the widow and the orphan, basically the poor and outcasts who can't take care of themselves. God is trying to teach his people mindfulness of those who are less fortunate because of their shared human dignity. And then you bring that all the way into the New Testament, where Christ reveals that the very heart of the law is love. The operating principle is love. And so uh, service to one another uh, then flows from the love of God, because he summarizes commandments in the two, love of God, and he says the other is like it, which means it flows from that first one, which is love of neighbor. And then, then he talks about the judgment of the, na- of the nations, about that operating principle of love. And so he serves the sheep and the goats because of those who served him in the face of the poor and the outcast and the outcast. And then uh, even Paul talks about this um, in his letter to Galatians, about uh, the apostles telling them to be mindful of the poor. Well, he's like, hey, I've been doing that. And even in the book of Acts, you find that they're sharing everything in common. They're, they're providing for each other's needs in proportion to what their need is. So it's all throughout the, the scriptures. It's all throughout actually the lived experience of the church. Father, I, you know, I, over the break when we were talking, we talked briefly, and you had mentioned because um, you just gave great scriptural foundation and the roots of why we do what we do. You know, and earlier in previous segments, I've talked about um, when we go into this, when we go to do these acts of service and love. We yield to an authority. It's so important that people know why we do what we do um, and that we're communicating someone beyond us. We communicate God's love. You know, an encounter with us, if we're going to do a service and we encounter people, the hope and prayer for us as Christians is that they don't so much encounter us as they encounter Jesus Christ, right? And so 
And, but so much, you know, we talked earlier on the break and I appreciate how you said it. Um, I asked you what, you know, what do you want to talk about? Like the need for Christ to be the center of why we serve and what we do um, to communicate that. And I, I want you to say more about that because I think one of the things we are encountering more and more is this, there's an awareness to serve, but a complete unawareness of how God is at the center of that. So can you, can oh, you say more? True. Well, as we're looking more and more on a global scale of this whole globalization, um, we're losing sight of the fact that the human person is made in the image rights of God. And so what happens is there's a movement, even even members in the Church, of serving the poor for the sake of the poor. And, it's, and so creating a fraternity of man for the sake of man. It's like, but that's not what Christ established. You know, we move... Uh, in the service to our neighbor because of our redemption in Christ. Christ has got to be the focus and the very center of who we are, and we move out of that center into the service of our neighbor because we recognize Jesus in our neighbor. Otherwise, you know, you could be a godless pagan, you know, and, and, and do social justice, you know, on in strictest sense of just serving the poor. To what end? Okay, they have a, a full belly, but what if they end up in hell? What's the point of it then? Right. So... I mean, the Church teaches, even the Catholic talks about that, that the principal uh, service to, to our neighbor is actually spiritual. <laughs> okay? You, Amen. You know, uh, the redemption. You know, the Church exists for the glory of the Most Holy Trinity and for the salvation of souls. And so our, our understanding of solidarity must have its ultimate end in mind, which is the redemption of the human person in Jesus Christ. Um, without that, then we're, well, we're just fighting time for the grave. We're for whom we're serving. And that, that's just, that's not an act of goodness toward them. To generally love our neighbor is to seek the greatest good. And the greatest good is going to be God. It's very simple. You know, one of the things I'll often do when someone's coming to ask for money or something like that, and, and when I get done uh, ministering to their need, if I can, I ask them to pray for me. And, and a lot of times it shocks them, <laughs> because I don't think they're ever used to praying. Or, or even having someone ask them that. But it, what it does, it immediately makes them realize that there's something greater here that you're part of, that you can be plugged into to God, that the life here is not the only thing that's here. You actually have a spiritual principle to who you are as a human being, and I'm asking you to activate that principle on my behalf. <laughs> I need Absolutely, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Besides giving them the blessing. Well, I th- I, it reminds them. It reminds them. You know, there's been many times... Uh, as you said, whether it is someone who is homeless or jobless asking for money or whatever the situation is, um, in the times I've been able to just stop and talk with them, you get to know them a little bit. Um, there's something that's very edifying and dignifying when you ask them to pray for you. I think you're right. I don't think uh, they're used to it at all. Um, but there's something that's not only humbling, just to ask anybody to pray for you. It's humbling. It's good for us. Um, but it dignifies them. It reminds them that they're made for something more. And I think we all That's need true. that. That's true. And also reminds us, they have something also to offer. Amen. You know, yeah, they're right. not absolutely helpless. They actually have something to offer that they don't realize that they have in service to another. You know, so, and so, yeah, I- it, 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 I think that's that's getting at the heart of solidarity. Hey, Father, we got to take just a quick break for a preview of tomorrow's Real Presence Live, um, but stay with us. Um, Rachel, what do we have happening? Coming up. 
tomorrow on the Next Real Presence Live, Father Brian Christensen and Karen Gibbs will be hosting from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. First, Crystal Lind will be talking about the new event the Cavaliers are hosting to help them raise funds. And then Father Eric Seitz and Deacon Ben Seitz will be sharing about a father and a son both receiving holy orders. All this and more coming up on the next Real Presence Live, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Fascinating. A father and a son, both priests. Have you ever, Rachel, have you ever met a priest like who's married? Um, I have, actually. I have too. I mean, it's a very unusual situation. So that'd mm-hmm. be, um, but there's room for it. The church gives room for it. And it's, uh, it's actually, it's, it speaks beauty, beauty to, uh, to the sacraments, the sacramental mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah. Way cool. Well, please join us tomorrow uh, for that. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, Father Jeff, you still with us? I am here. Awesome. I know you wanted to come back. We were talking about that. Um, I just wanted to give you one more chance. We have just a couple more minutes here. Um, any final words of encouragement or insight that you'd like to share? Um, yeah. Recognizing every human being is poor. Because sin has broken every one of us. No matter what our physical human condition is, we're all in absolute need. So every human being actually is impoverished in, in a, a very real sense because of sin. So every human being needs Jesus. And so we can be ambassadors of Christ as St. Paul says, and bring this gift of hope and joy and peace and redemption in Christ to others. Do not be afraid of that. It may come through simply asking someone to pray for you or to pray for them. It may be through a smile, a kind word. It may be through helping someone who, who needs a meal. You know, but uh, God calls us to serve Him and our neighbor, no matter what the capacity is, to the greatest end, which is for our salvation and for His glory. Oh, thank you so much, Father. It's, it's, it's so good. You know, you said every one of us is poor. Our previous guest shared that we are all disordered in that, because uh, that's what sin does. Sin brings about disorder. Um, what I want to close our reflections this morning with a, a closing prayer, and Father, if you would uh, give us a blessing at the very end, is just to recognize that uh, we are poor, but we are among the poor, and that's not bad company. The Holy Family, too, was poor. So I just want to conclude our time, especially, Father, as we talked about how less is more. Uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 46, I'd like to read a scripture verse. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on will all ages call me blessed. Father, could you please give us a blessing? Of course. May God continue to place all of you firmly in the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Draw from his heart the riches of grace and love. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Amen. Real Presence Live. On Thank you, Father. Real Presence Radio Thank Network. You. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.